What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the third episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land this week, and we are the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Make sure to visit SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand and subscribe to the show by going on to Apple Podcasts and searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find this show and all of our shows in both of those areas. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff for you guys this week. This is already the third episode. If you guys want to go back into the archives, check out me and Matt Brown's conversation about Greg Schiano and the whole fiasco that went on with uh, with the Tennessee job the other day. And also be sure to check out our recap podcast of the Michigan game. They are there. But for tonight's episode, you're probably hearing this on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday night. We are going to talk about the biggest thing happening this week from an Ohio State perspective, and that is the Big Ten title game. And it's a rematch from the 2014 Big Ten title game against the Wisconsin Badgers. So to break that down, I am joined by my buddy and fellow SB Nation colleague, and his name is Jake Kokorowski, and he is a writer and editor for Bucky's Fifth Quarter.com. Jake, welcome back to the show, man. Glad to have you on. I know. It's been a while. I think it was what, last year or something like that. No, great being back on, man. Yeah, last time we talked was before last year's game. And I, I think for from both of our perspectives, I would be okay, no matter what the outcome is in this game, if this one is less uh, heart attack inducing than that game was. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was an insane game. And being down there, uh, was it back last year, that, that 30-23 overtime uh, thriller and uh you know as uh covering that game there there was a, a heightened sense in the air wisconsin you know a tough schedule you know, it was coming up a bye week after a 14-7 loss to michigan uh, a couple weeks prior and it was this team is you know it's it's this year i mean it's gonna be a hard-fought game i think and i'm i'm excited to see how wisconsin defends jt barrett this year or, or of course the, the backup quarterback depends on how Barrett's going to go, but it sounds like he's going to play. But uh, it is, I, I'm intrigued to see how this Wisconsin team steps up and, and how they, you know, 11 and 0. Well, not, you know, can they take that big step and can they clinch essentially that college football playoff berth uh, against, you know, I'm not, you know, depending on what how, you know, the college football playoff rankings, you know, where, where the committee puts Ohio State, it'll be a top 10 win. Uh, and that, you know, if they do win, Wisconsin should be in, and that's uh, it'd be pretty special for Paul Christ in his third season at Wisconsin. So before we get into the game and what what we think some of the key matchups are, I want to talk a little bit about Wisconsin season. And you referenced, and we talked about the game last year just a little bit. But other than the record and, and being undefeated, what would you say are the biggest differences between this season's team and last year's Wisconsin team? This year's team, it's interesting. You know, we had a column on Bucky's fifth quarter. We call it Bucky's fifth quarter's fifth quarter because I like being punny. And it is a, uh, obviously the fifth quarter, for those that don't know, it's it's basically after the game, the band goes out and uh, they do their full, uh, you know, tequila. They do the varsity chant. They do a bunch of dancing. Uh, it's a time-honored tradition for those to stay after the game. So, but in this column, we wrote i wrote about just you know i i had asked you know i had a couple of lighthearted things to ask players last week one was what are they thankful for i mean we put it on a video it's on Beck bucky's fifth quarters facebook page but we also asked you know about Derek tyndall who is one of the cornerbacks that uh ohio state will face senior corner and his love of spider-man and 
two kind of interesting things came out about this team, and it was really Joe Ferguson, who's the grandson of Barry Alvarez. You'll hear that about probably about six thousand times during the game on uh, on Saturday <laughs> night. But uh, you know, he's taken over for Dakota Dixon uh, when he's been injured. And so, uh, you know, but he said, and he's seen Wisconsin teams, and he's been a part of, you know, now five teams uh, as a redshirt senior. And he told me, you know, I'm thankful for this team, this love, and, and this team is special. And I said, you have to elaborate on that. It was my last question, but then I followed up with that. You have to tell me more. It is, this team it cares for each other a lot. And not saying last year's team didn't, it, but there's, team, there's a bond between this team that really stands out. Uh, and that and it shows, you know, this this all for one, one for all. They're all in for it together. And there's a, you know, no matter. And, and Derek Tindall then talking about it, and he jokingly gave himself that he, he's joking because he loves Spider-Man so much. He calls himself the Amazing Tindall. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, with that, just you know, he has a poster up of like DC and Marvel comics characters together, right? Weird. But in terms of it, weird in the sense of like, okay, you know, but, you know, what does it mean? And he said, well, it's, a, it's our team. It's these guys, different guys coming together for a complete cause, for, for this one cause. And, and, he's, and he says, we all hang out together. I hang out with offensive linemen and, and the running, we're gonna go, you know, running back and I, a redshirt freshman running back and I are going to go see a movie. So there's this bond between these, these players that uh, they've unified. And uh, they, all, both squads take the one game at a time mentality. You know, 2016's did. And they wound up with a New Year's Six Bowl win, despite a, a heavy schedule on paper. And, and this year's team, it, it's a, I will say, the defense, even with Garrett Dooley, you know, Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs, the starters, have, they, you know, leaving T.J. Edwards and, and Vince Beagle is that those two went off to the NFL. And you've seen what, uh, you know, especially with what Watt's done in Pittsburgh, uh, they've replaced that production pretty well, along with a Juco transfer and Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, they've got their old. They've replaced two secondary members, so they've replaced key senior, you know, seniors uh, in there with Leo Musso and Sojourn Shelton and Nick Nelson, a Hawaii transfer, is going to be a kid that uh, could be a you know he could leave after this year. He's had that good of a year. And uh, Natrell Jamerson moved from nickel corner or cornerback to free safety, and he's one of the most underrated players in that defense in terms of speed and strength. So. He, you know, this team really, uh, you know, they've replaced the players and they've, from last year, and, and it's made the team stronger. Uh, so defensively, uh, I mean, you know, there's, they've also had, like, the seniors step up, maybe comparatively what you've seen from, from last year when the seniors played really well. Uh, you know, and there's not a lot of seniors on, on this year's squad either. I think there's supposed to be 13 of them that graduated this year that were honored uh, during senior day. Offensively, the, uh, even without Ryan Ramchick, the, this offensive line has matured even further. And in that, and you thought with Corey Clement and, and Daria Gumbawale, two seniors, uh, you know they rushed well, but that offensive line wasn't where it was compared to this year. And they had so many line combinations the past two seasons in 15 and 16. Well, now you know they've solidified the line, they ha and and you've seen the results, and you have an, an even greater back, I would say. As much as I like Corey Clement, and you've seen what he's done at the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles being a touchdown machine. Uh, and Ogumba Wale was a team captain, great presence, and, and got his yardage too last year. You know, Jonathan Taylor emerged, this true freshman running back. And I think, yeah, he's a true playmaker that he provides. You know, he's mature beyond his years when it comes to the simple fact that he come, you know, like I said, he merges his strength and, and you know, his physicality and his speed 
with a maturity of, of patience and vision and, and also recognizing he still has so much more to go. And that includes having four or five lost fumbles this year. And he, and he lost one against Minnesota last week. Uh, and so you have a home run hitter there. But it's a combination of these younger players and older players really stepping up. Uh, and this next man up mentality has really been prevalent throughout this team. It's not just a cliche. These guys live by it and, and they play for each other. And they play, you know, they play for the team and the program. And now they're on the, you know, they're one win away from, be, you know, making history for this for Wisconsin football. The biggest talking point from a national point of view about Wisconsin this year has been their schedule. And the out-of-conference slate this year was BYU, Florida Atlantic, and Utah State. And then in conference play, they did not match up with either Ohio State or Penn State. And right now, we are recording this on Monday night. So pre this last, um, before conference championship week, playoff rankings come out. And Wisconsin has been on the outside looking in throughout these whole rankings this season. And you figure it'll probably change with Miami's loss and they'll be in that top four. But what's your response to the notion that Wisconsin really isn't that good and that they're just, their record is just a product of their schedule. At first you could, you know, I would say in the beginning, like this, a 17, nine win against Purdue, which was underwhelming. And I was at that game covering it. Uh, I was also at the Illinois game where they also only won, was it 24-14 or 24-10? Not a great win there. Uh, But granted, they were without Taylor for a good part of that game because he was injured. So, you know, this team showed that they really, at times, almost fit the moniker of of a team that didn't deserve to get in there because, you know, they're not playing, they're not passing the eye test, right? But I think, that, you know, I always thought the end, these last four games of the regular season would show what this team was about. And they go to Indiana, who played Ohio State tough for the first, you know, first half, first two and a half quarters in Bloomington. And they played Michigan tough, taking them to overtime. And, and they, they put up a fight in East Lansing against the Spartans. And they, they took care of Indiana pretty decisively in that game. And then they, what they did against Iowa, um, with what Iowa did against Ohio State, and you know that well enough, that 55-24 win with, you know, uh, five, almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, apologies <laughs> for, for reliving those numbers. But this, <laughs> I, I think this team, and yeah, I mean, and let me just point out here too, because I know some people, and you've seen some of the anchors on some of the sports show goes, come on, Wisconsin, get your strength of schedule up. You can't say that where back six to eight years ago they put in – BYU who had averaged at the time underneath Bronco Mendenhall like nine to ten wins a season, right? And then you go into the Big Ten West, and this is that's the way that the division's set up. You you can't have, you know, uh, how are they supposed to say, oh yeah, well you know we're going to prop up Nebraska by sending some of our coaches over there. You can't do that, right? And Nebraska was supposed to be the addition of Nebraska to this conference is supposed to be something special to, to give the West. You know, or when it came out in 14, that you know, when they started realigning, they're going to give something more, right? And in Wisconsin, Nebraska was supposed to be fighting it out, and Iowa was supposed to be up there too. Well, Iowa's always Iowa, where they're going to flash big against big opponents and then dissipate. And when the expectations are high for Iowa, they always seem to be under under you know achieving. And then when they're not supposed to do anything, that's when they they step up and, and become big time. Uh, so, and there's so much coaching. Yeah, coaching carousel within the past few years in the West, uh, there's no 
in my opinion, it's hard for Wisconsin to, you know, what are they supposed to change? I don't, I don't, that's my, my problem with that. Uh, but you saw what they did against Michigan, and the committee saw it too. Uh, you've seen what they did, you know, what they've done against Iowa, which 66 yards total offense, that's the best defensive performance I've ever seen and ever covered. You know, I've covered the team for about three, four years, uh, and, but you still talk to other guy, writers, and it's it's impressive. I don't know if you'll ever see that dominant of a performance by a Wisconsin defense again. Uh, but, you know, it, this team has started to show if their eye test that I had met in the past month, I would say, that uh, that they deserve it. And they've always, they don't care about this perception either. You talk to these guys, you know, they know the media stuff's on the outside. They don't care about it. They, they're going to go out there. They're going to win. They want, they're going to get the W. That's all they're focused on, and they're not going to look ahead. They are focused, you know, even with Ohio State looming uh, two weeks, you know, two Saturdays later, they still that Monday before the Minnesota game, they're all about Minnesota because they know that they can't get to Minnesota, Ohio State undefeated and have that shot at a college football playoff berth if they beat the Buckeyes unless they beat the Gophers first. And 133 total yards, you know, against a really bad offense, and what they put up against, uh, you know, the defense. And, and, I mean, they coasted. There's no – you could tell once the, they hit the field that there's no chance the Gophers had. There's no chance. And I think that's – they asserted their dominance. You've seen that the past month, and I think that should answer. And if they beat the, the Buckeyes, that's only going to cement them in the college football playoff, in my opinion. Earlier on, you referenced Wisconsin's kind of next man up mentality, and that has not been more on display than with their linebackers this season. And Jack Sitchie, a guy that we talked about last year when we did our preview podcast for this game, he's one of the best linebackers in the country. He probably has a case of being the best linebacker in the country, and he tore his knee up before the season. And Wisconsin has not only gotten stronger there or, or continued to play strong there, but they've been one of the best groups in the country. D- does everything on defense start with them this season? I would say the inside linebackers, obviously, and you see Ryan Conley, and you see TJ Edwards, who Edwards is a Buckus Award finalist at inside linebacker. They've really stepped up for Sitchy. And even with Chris Orr out, and he played sparingly. He was off the injury report today, so that sounds like he, I mean, that means he's cleared to play, and he did play last week against Gophers. I think it really starts at the defensive line, and you'll hear that from a lot of the linebackers where this is a team where you have Olives Asangapolu, who is a junior, about 350-pound guy, used, uh, nose, nose tackle, used to do backflips. Uh, he's crazy athletic, and, and then you also have these defensive ends that uh, going into the game, I think they're uh, going into this game, they'll be playing in their 151st game uh, combined, 151 games combined that they've played in their time at Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, two of them are team captains, and Alec James and Connor Sheehy. And Chikwe Obashi, before he was injured for a good chunk of this year, was going to be one of the guys that could have broken the all-time games played record or would have been up there. And so that that team, and then you rotate in younger guys. You have a Garrett Brand and he's a soft, true sophomore who's flashed at times. And Isaiah Loudonilk, who's this redshirt freshman who is 6'7", 306, and he's only going to be more of a force going forward down the road. He, uh, you know, this, this line has just eaten up the gaps and the holes, and that's allowed guys like Edwards and Conley to play fast. And the, the part, that's part of the beauty of Jim Leonard's scheme. You'll hear the players talk about it. It's a simple scheme, and that allows them to not think a lot. And, of course, when you don't not think it, 
what are you going to do? You're going to play fast, and you're not second-guessing yourself. And so, I mean, outside linebackers, too, with Dooley and Leon Jacobs and Andrew Van Ginkle, and to an extent, too, Tyler Johnson, the former walk-on uh, on the outside, those guys have, have played very well, you know, replacing that talent that you saw with that would leave uh, with Vince Beagle and T.J. Watt. So, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I think it really, it's underrated. Like, the defensive line just goes out there, they do work, they go out there. Uh, and, and, you know, you don't hear a lot about it. You, you, you will see Alec James, if, you know, he had a sack against Indiana. He did, a, uh, like, a thing where he was licking his fingers after, like, on the field after the sack. And it's, it, it was a meme where it was amazing. Uh, that, that, that might be the most enthusiastic you'll see out of those guys. Those guys really just, you know, put their noses down. They get to work. They're not that flashy. And I think that's what starts with the success of that defense. But there's not, you can't say enough about Ryan Connolly. I, you'll hear this a lot from me, former walk-on. Because there's, you know, Sitchie, Sitchie was a huge blow that, uh, and if you would have told me the guys like Sitchie and then, uh, you know, two of your supposed, you know, supposed to be your starting receivers at the beginning of the year with Jazz Peavy and Quintus Sivas would not be here at the Big Ten Championship game, I would, you know, those names like that, I would tell you that in, that there are some problems, that there might be some problems. But this next man up mentality with, with Conley and Edwards stepping up that inside linebacker, you have... Uh, yeah, and, and Edwards was going to be a starter, and he, I think he, I mean, he's going to be an NFL uh, caliber linebacker. I think all four of those guys, Sitchi or Edwards and Conley, can all play at the next level. Um, and, and Conley has just really stepped up. Uh, a no-name walk-on comes on, and he just plays. He, it's what he did last year when an injury is hit. He stepped up, and now he leads the team in tackles. So uh, it's it, this defense really flies. Uh, there's speed on this defense, uh, but they're going to also have to contain that rushing attack from Ohio State with, with Dobbins and Barrett uh, and Weber. And, it, I mean, it's going to be a fun matchup because Wisconsin's one of the top teams in it, top one or top two teams in the nation in defending the run. And it should just be a lot of fun to see what Ohio State will try to do and what Jim Leonard and his defense is going to try to do to stop any momentum from Ohio State side. I'll tell you what, man. Wisconsin has that stormtrooper thing going on at linebacker because somebody gets hurt, somebody goes to the NFL, some other some bitch is just stepping in there and leading the team <laughs> in tackles and making plays. And, and the most impressive thing is, too, uh, everybody knows Wisconsin's always going to field a good defense. But, like, folks, this isn't just like, oh, this is a really strong defense. Like, this is the number one defense in S&P in the country. They're ninth in rushing S&P on defense, and they're ninth in passing S&P. So not only are they very good, but they're also very well balanced. They're, they're back seven, also the linebackers and the secondary, both number one in havoc rate amongst their position groups. So this isn't just a defense that does one thing. They basically do everything well. And on that note, in the matchup with Ohio State, how do they match up with the Buckeyes, and what can they do to create problems for Ohio State's offense? I think it, it goes to, you know, with Leonard, with that defense, you know, like I said, they're going to keep it, I mean, simple, but they also do some intriguing things with overloading the sides or from what you from what we've seen. And, and the front four can actually get pressure, which is, I mean, you'll, you'll see sometimes they'll send five or six guys, but really, you know, like you'll get pressure where, you know, a 3-4 scheme, and depending on if they're in a nickel look, which it depends upon the personnel of Ohio State. If they, if the, you know, they go to like an eleven personnel, uh, you know, you may, you know, you may see that nickel look. Uh, but it, they, they just create matchup problems where there's a stunt inside, stunt outside, uh, you know, or just a twist here and there with that confuses the offensive lineman. So they play the matchups there and they create confusion. And and you'll see too where uh, guys will step up and. 
uh, you know, they'll decoy and they'll disguise well. And I think what Wisconsin can do, I mean, they're part of one of the best rush defenses in, you know, in the nation. And it, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to hold Ohio State to their, you know, what they've held other opponents, right? Like, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the most that an opponent has actually gained so far this year has been, I think it was like Maryland with 136 yards, sounds about right. I I don't think they're going to hold Ohio State. I think it's going to be a tough matchup there. But, I mean, if they could hold Ohio State for, to under 150, which, uh, judging by from the stats I was, I've been looking at, it you know, that, that'd be well underneath Urban Meyer's offense's uh, totals. Uh, you know, it is a, you know, that would be considered a win. Uh, I, I think they... They'll throw some in Jim Leonard. I think he'll he'll throw some things at uh, at Ohio State that you know maybe they haven't seen. And you know they're good at disguising. They're good at creating confusion. That's where they'll thrive. Now and, and you know Garrett Dooley was talking about just how there are two good offensive tackles for Ohio State uh, during my, uh, player availability today. And he was saying that uh, you know that you're gonna have to play their best game at this. You have to. Pr- but they're, you know, uh, show that they have pride and, and go out there and, and do what they need to do against Barrett uh, in that offense. Um, but I think it really just comes down to the uh, what they need to do is just what they've done, the, you know, this year: shut down the run uh, and, and make JT Barrett, you know, they give up 80.5 yards a, a game on the ground, shut them down on the ground, and then despite Ohio State, you know, throwing for nearly 280 a game, really just. Yeah, they have locked down corners in Tyndall and in Nick Nelson. And I, I like what Nelson's done this year. He, I think he leads the conference. He, lead, he actually might lead the nation in passes defended. But definitely leads the conference. And he, you know, like I said, he's NFL talent. I think Tyndall is too with his you know, with special teams ability. Uh, but I think they'll match up nicely. And, and Natrell Jamerson can cover because he's a former cornerback and they're trying to find a way to get him on the field. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. They're going to have to play physical. You'll see the cornerbacks playing physical all the time. It's a man coverage. Uh, they like using their hands. They've been penalized a couple of times. You know, Tyndall against Michigan was penalized on a hold, and Nick Nelson's been called for pass interference uh, twice against Indiana when he faced Sidney Cobbs. You know, they're going to, I think, stick to the same things that have made them successful, and that's shutting down that run as much as they can, and then uh, playing big on you know, being physical in the passing game. Uh, and those linebackers can cover too. T.J. Edwards, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, tied for the team. So uh, they know it's going to be a challenge. This isn't going to be Minnesota. They they know that, and they, they know it's going to be a fight uh, till the last quarter, probably till end, you know, probably in all likelihood the last drive to see if they can seal off a win. Uh, and it, it's going to be interesting to see just how well against this type of competition how they stack up. Flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, it all starts with freshman running back Jonathan Taylor. And for any Wisconsin fans listening, I I swear that I don't mean this as an insult, but to me, it seems like there's no, no bigger indicator of how a lot of people outside of Wisconsin view that program than that you can have a guy like Jonathan Taylor who has been named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week eight times, broke JT Barrett's record this season, has over 1,800 yards running for a team that's 12-0 12-0 and 0, undefeated in major conference play and nobody's talking about him like nobody is is referencing how good this kid has been what makes him so special and is he kind of that engine that drives the rest of this offense yes to an extent where taylor is a i mean uh, and i referenced it earlier he has the ability to 
really make an impact uh, on the, in terms of just his explosiveness. And there's that power, that physicality, that speed that he has. And he combines that with the maturity beyond his years, and, and one in terms of his humbleness. Uh, but I mean, he's talking to reporters, he, and he realized you can it, it's, it's genuine. He realizes that these, you know, like his offensive linemen are the guys that have helped him get those yards and make those holes to, to sprint through. And he also realizes that he is a, you know, like, you know, he has a lot to learn, and he has a lot, you know, especially with fumbles in uh, holding on to the ball. But he, there's a dynamic with him, and you saw, you know, that last touchdown that Wisconsin had against Minnesota, that 53-yard run. He has a burst to him that is just, uh, you know, hasn't been seen, you know, maybe since like Melvin Gordon, but it's even a different type of burst where Gordon was more of a long strider. And you just see Taylor, who is a prep track, track standout in New Jersey, just take it. And when he gets to that second level, it's hard to catch up to him. And so that's what makes, there's this dynamic, this home run hitting phase where if he gets in the open field, watch out. And I thought that was going to be Chris James and Chris James has fought injuries this year, and, and he finally got some reps last week with when Taylor fumbled, and then Bradrick Shaw's out, uh, out. He's questionable technically on the preliminary injury report that was given to us today. He's the, he was, it was supposed to be James and Shaw, right, as the two dynamic duo backs that with this offensive line was supposed to really turn it up a notch. And but it was this, it's Taylor uh, because of his dynamic. But I think Chris James, if in like the screen pass game, uh, in terms of the, the passing game. But also, you know, he offers a little bit of a different running technique from uh, from what Taylor has. Uh, so it's, uh, I would, you know, I really think Taylor, you know, he's a sparkle. But I think it really goes back to uh, I mean, what makes the offense go and makes the rhythm. It, it goes back to Alex Hornibrook, and it goes back to him being, I would say, uh, just if he gets in a rhythm, and I call him oopsie plays. If he can reduce his, like, oopsie plays, where, you know, he had two pick sixes thrown, you know, the first offensive series against Iowa in the first quarter, he throws a pick six on a bad third down throw. Yeah, you know, and, and it is a, a, with the way that this team, and you saw again against Minnesota, you know, 15 and 19, 151 yards and three touchdown passes. He had, people, fans are, ever since Russell Wilson, by the way, they've compared Wisconsin quarterbacks to Russell Wilson, who's a once-in-a-generational college football player. Uh, and you know he he's you know he's 21 touchdown passes this year. He has thrown some interceptions, and he's got to get better at it. And he knows it. He's not stupid uh, when it comes to that. But it's also you know once you get him in the rhythm, and they did that early once Minnesota was stacking the box last week. That he, once he started getting the rhythm and making pass, you know, getting a rhythm for passing and, and, and getting the flow, like he really excelled. And, and I think. Hornibrook can reduce his oopsie plays to like one or two. Uh, hopefully, you know, for if you're a Wisconsin Badger, uh, if you're one of his teammates or if you're one of the fans, keep that to one because they can't have more than two against this Ohio State squad, in my opinion. Uh, that goes for Taylor, too, with this fumbling. But uh, they have the, you know, he needs to reduce those mistakes in the biggest game of, the career, of his young career right now in the biggest game of Wisconsin's, possibly its history, besides the 94 Rose Bowl with that 93 team uh, that really, you know, show that they've come back from, like, being a just a terrible program. Uh, but, you know, they have, it, it, he is a key. If, he, if he's accurate like he has been, uh, you know, he's able to make deep throws, 
uh, when given time. And, and sometimes Younger throws them, yes, but, uh, you know, he found, you know, A.J. Taylor for a 51-yard pass against Michigan on a third and long that really on, on the go-ahead touchdown drive that, you know, the office was floundering, and he finds a way to get the ball released. And, you know, there, he also, even for the lot of talk about his arm strength not being there, he's got plenty of arm for a college quarterback, and he may, you know, he he's thrown some darts the past couple of weeks. And so as long as he's accurate, he reduces any type of mistakes. Uh, you know, Wisconsin has a really good chance with that offense uh, to truly make it. So, I mean, and I would say, like, in, all, in this entire season, the whole theme is Wisconsin has been its own worst enemy. And granted, they're going against Ohio State, and it's going to be the toughest challenge they've had to date. And they know it's, they're going to be challenged in different ways than what they have, you know, the past 12 games. But, you know, they are their own worst enemy. And if they make mistakes like turnovers and stupid procedural penalties, that is what's going to doom them against the Buckeyes. That inconsistency for Hornybrook was probably most on display in the Michigan game for anybody that watched that. For the first half, it was like, man, this how is this guy on the field? And then he made at least three or four throws in the second half that were like legitimate NFL-type quarterback throws. But he's only averaging 20 passes per game. His high this season was 28 versus Florida Atlantic. If he has to throw, say, 30 or more times, how confident are you that that Wisconsin can win? I If they throw more than 30 times, that's they're probably playing from behind, and that's not what you want. Um, I, I You know, I mean, he's thrown – actually, I should probably check on this. Uh, but while I continue blabbering, uh, I'll, I'll keep uh, – once my computer keeps uh, – you know, technology is great like that where it doesn't want you to do the thing that you <laughs> want to do. But it is a thing where uh, if they are throwing 30 times a game, that means that the they're, they're down, and which isn't a good sign. Uh, you would want them – the most that he's actually thrown is, was 28 times against Florida Atlantic, uh, 24 times against Maryland. Uh, and uh, 20 times against Indiana, so and 23 against Utah State, which really in 20 against Northwestern. So, I mean, the most he's thrown is nearly 30 passes against that Florida Atlantic, and you know he's he's thrown over 200 yards at times this this season, and he's shown that he can throw it. Now, can he win you a game against one of the top 10 teams in the nation? Just him, and with a wide receiving cast that doesn't. You know, it doesn't have three receivers that was on its uh, fall camp roster where, you know, Jazz PV and George Rushing are no longer on the team or, on the, you, know, or, or you know, no longer on the team. And then Quintez Cephas, the sophomore uh, standout, he uh, really just, you know, he was budding and an injury against Anna's knocked him out for the year. So, you know, but it, the talent's there at wide receiver, even without those guys, but I mean, they need—they would need to target like Troy Fumagalli, and, and maybe some. I know there's some talk about how against Ohio, you know, against Iowa, how Noah Fant and uh, Hawkinson got open uh, against Ohio State, uh, and also, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, you remember that, and then Michigan, uh, you know, possibly having some looks that maybe the pass just wasn't there, uh, wasn't thrown right. So if I mean, if he's throwing that many times a game, I'm not. I'm worried because that means. Wisconsin's running game's not working, or they're just down huge, you know, huge, and so they're trying to pass to get back into it. Uh, but however, if they can exploit what, you know, you know, the tight ends like Troy Fumagalli, an All-American candidate and a John Mackey finalist, uh, if they can utilize even further, you know, along with Kyle Penniston, uh, you know, they may have a shot. You know, if they have to throw 30 times again, if, if Troy Fumagalli has 10 catches, well, then so be it because they're they're finding a hole. But usually the bread and butter of Wisconsin's offense is that rushing attack. 
and it, he's throwing a lot in the game that doesn't but most of the time, it doesn't bode well for Wisconsin's chances. Yeah, Troy Fumagalli, if this makes any sense, probably scares me more in this game than Jonathan Taylor does, given the way that Ohio State's linebackers have played so undisciplined uh, against similar type of offenses in Michigan and Iowa. And that's not to say that Taylor isn't going to be able to pile up yards, but if Hornibrook can just be accurate, you, you can definitely see how they would have success throwing the ball a couple more here and I'll get you out of here. Uh, what What's the point threshold you think that if Wisconsin scores X amount of points, you feel comfortable about them winning? I would say if they can get to, hmm, that's a great question. I would say, I would say 28. Like I, well, they get 31, 31. If they can get 31, uh, which they, if you they can do, I think that's a good chance. I, I you know, you, you've seen what, uh, you know, looking at the stats from what Ohio State's done this year, you know, the best, you know, in, in the nation, you know, best in the conference in, uh, a bu- you know, a bunch of categories, you know, second in passing, uh, they are first in rushing and, you know, and, and overall in total offense, they, you know, they're accumulating almost 530 yards per contest. If, if you know, it's going to be a tough challenge. I mean, if they're, they're almost 44 points a game. It's going to be hard. If they can have that against Ohio State, I think Wisconsin's got a good shot. If Wisconsin give 28 to 31 points, uh, probably the, the latter, uh, I think that's when you can start saying that they'd, you know, there's a good chance they can take home the Big Ten title. All right, final one here for you, and it's a two-parter. What's Wisconsin's best path to winning on Saturday and then – a score prediction for the game. Yeah, I, you know, is this team, uh, I mean, I would say uh, keys to the game, uh, it goes back to everything that they always want to do. They want to stop the run front defensively, so they'd have, they're going to have to stop, uh, you know, Dobbins, they're going to have to stop Barrett, they're going to have to stop Weber, uh, contain that Ohio State running game, you know, force them to Barrett to beat you through the, through the air, and then, I, you know, on the opposite side, Try to get that running game going that you know Wisconsin saw you know with with Iowa uh, you know Iowa versus Ohio State where it was a 243 yards rushing that the Hawkeyes had, find you know find ways to exploit that, uh, but you know utilize those matchups like you said with the tight ends get Fumagalli involved use your seniors this way, uh, where if they can get those tight ends uh, you know down the field or that can only help open up the offense where they're not gonna you know Ohio State can't just focus in on Taylor and that running game. Uh, They're going to have to sometimes probably throw a little bit to get uh, to open up the running game like they did uh, last week against Minnesota where that, you know, a little bit of throwing motion. That's how they scored their first touchdown. Uh, They had a really balanced offense that first drive. I, you know, I think, I think they can do it. And and now I was, I've been thinking about it. I've been stewing about it. Like this team is special. Like, you know, I've covered the team now for about four years. This team is something that's it's different about them compared to years past, and uh, it there like I said, this team's special in some. This uh, there's an intangible there that you know they play for each other, they care about each other, uh, which I know. I mean that's all great, well and said compared to you know you're facing uh, you know a team with the caliber and the talent uh, and the pedigree that Ohio State has. But I, I think they get it done. I think they they grind it out. There's a grit on this team. Uh, you know, hashtag grit, whatever you want to call it. That uh, <laughs> is a, you know, Garrett Dooley during player availability had a got grit shirt. It's a t- you know, it's a, a word that I mean, it's a shirt from last year, if I'm not mistaken, from this team. 
Uh, and it personifies, you know, Wisconsin football. They are smart, tough, and dependable, which is one of their models of the program. They, you know, they say that way throughout the game. They're going to win. And I'm actually going to go, like, I'm going to go, uh, I'll say 30 to, I'll say 30-24 Wisconsin in the end. It is, it's going to be a tough game. It's not going to be easy. There's a very good chance Ohio State could you know, for some odd reason, the wheels fall off and everything goes wrong with Wisconsin. Hornerbrook throws two or three interceptions. Jonathan Taylor fumbles the ball. The rushing attack just goes away. Uh, but these players pick each other up, and they're peaking at the right time This last, these last four games where they've really showed that they're among the nation's best. And I think it'll show on Saturday night. And, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State wins, and they could win by, you know, 14 or so if Wisconsin's you know, demons with bad penalties and, and stupid turnovers take take control. But this Wisconsin team is disciplined, and, you know, they have their best players playing well at the right times. And I, I think Wisconsin comes away. It's not being a homer. This is, uh, you know, I, usually I, you know, like last, I don't know if I did last year. It was against LSU. I think I picked them to lose last year, and they showed up big, and they won. They beat the Tigers, you know, at Lambeau Field. Uh, I, I feel that Wisconsin has there's something intent there's an intangible of this group that really pops uh, and you know have the talent first and foremost to compete. Uh, but I also think they have that extra factor of um, just you know with this team that they're not going to try to let each other down and um, yeah I think they pull off an you know maybe what some people call an upset. Uh, obviously uh, with uh, Vegas already uh, having Ohio State as the favorites. Yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. My man, not only do I think you are not a homer, but I'm going to turn heel on the <laughs> podcast here and agree with you. I, I think that Wisconsin wins this game because everything that scared me about the Iowa game heading into the season and the Michigan game with the way Wisconsin plays offense, they're better than both of those offenses. And we referenced earlier a guy like Troy Fumagalli. I've seen nothing from Ohio State, Ohio State's linebackers that would indicate to me that anything's going to be different than what happened against Michigan and against Iowa. And they've been out of position, and I think that Wisconsin can take advantage of that even more. And they have a better running game and the best running back Ohio State has faced all season in Jonathan Taylor. So I think that if Ohio State isn't – if their defensive line isn't able to play – the way that they were against Penn State, where they just kind of took over the game, I find it really hard to believe that the linebackers and secondary for the Buckeyes can pick up enough and make enough plays to flip what what uh, some of their problems have been against offenses of that caliber. And then conversely, for Ohio State on offense, they're playing the best defense in the country, and Wisconsin's able to get after the quarterback. They're as good against the run as they are against the pass. And if Ohio State falls into the trap of running JT Barrett, even with the knee injury and, and doesn't from the start get J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber involved, then they're going to face the same problems that they have in, in games like Michigan early on against Penn State, the whole game against Iowa, and then going back to the Oklahoma game earlier on. So that is why I'm going to pick Wisconsin to win 24-20. to 20. Send all your hate oh, tweets boy. to me, guys, at, at Dubsco. <laughs> so I, I, I'm taking the heat off your shoulders, my man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I also, uh, hopefully I didn't talk everybody's ear off, by the way. So uh, I appreciate you having me on, man, and talking some Badgers. It, it, it's going to be a great matchup, and it's going to be one of the better conference championship games I think people will see. 
Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It usually is, other than the 2014 game. You know, whenever these two teams meet, it's physical. There's always, uh, you know, one or two plays that are, that are game changers. You see a couple of big plays in there, and it always comes down to the wire. So if you want to follow anything from a Wisconsin perspective, which I highly recommend you do, be sure to follow Jake on Twitter at JakeKOCOB5Q. Also visit Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. You can follow them on Twitter. This is real easy. At B5Q. You can also check out any of Jake's audio work for Kilbasa Kings, Wisconsin. We'll have a link to that in the post. And also for the off season and for the holidays, he is the co-author of Walk On This Way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition and i've read it folks it's good i'm not just blowing smoke up your ass i I have read this book absolutely man hey hey, any chance i get to put you over my man i'm gonna do it but the book is excellent make sure to check it out It, it goes great with the book we always talk about on this podcast what if a closer look at college football's great questions written by our friend matt brown so you're looking for two college football books this off season boom matt brown's book and jake kokorowski's book once again it's called walk on this way the ongoing legacy of the wisconsin football walk-on tradition we'll have a link to that in the post i highly recommend that you uh that you pick it up jake i'm sick of putting you over man i'm sick of putting wisconsin over you you need to get off the podcast like you man you know like I, i'm i'm the face of peril right now I, you're my tag i'm gonna tag you, you clean house you take it home brother <laughs> absolutely man hey well we want to thank everybody for listening to today's podcast and big thanks to Jake for joining. Make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land and please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Search the Hangout in the Holy Land and leave me and leave us a comment and a review about what you think of the show. Tell everybody how you think I'm the worst host in the world because I picked Ohio State as <laughs> the Big Ten Championship. But hopefully I am wrong. So we will see on Saturday. Should be a hell of a lot of fun. But that's going to wrap up today's episode. So for Jake Kokorowski, my name is Colton Denning. We want to thank you guys once again for listening. This has been The Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks. <laughs>